Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to light, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, anywhere else you can find podcasts. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website, abouttoreview.com. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to support the show, you can go to abouttoreview.threadless.com. You can also click on the Amazon link in the description uh, to go to the wish list of a couple items on there if you want to support the show that way. On today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about a couple different things, uh, briefly talking about Emerald City Comic Con a little bit about the Oscars, and then a review for A Wrinkle in Time. And joining me via the FaceTime machine and not in studio is Tim Hall, the People's Critic. Hey, it's me. I'm talking to you from my cellular phone device. (laughs) It sounds so futuristic. Yeah, it sounds futuristic when you say it that way. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, but yeah, due to some uh, scheduling and other things, uh, you're not able to be in studio, and it is late night and Tim turns into a pumpkin here pretty soon, which is why this episode is going to be brief compared to other hey, ones. Listen, I, I need my rest, man. I need my beauty sleep. So it's important. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Uh, excellent. Uh, all right. So before we get into the rest of the show, we'll go to the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, so at the top of the show, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so if you are following the podcast on social media, uh, I put up a thing recently because after covering Emerald City Comic Con this weekend, and I did some great interviews, and not only interviews, but Jess and Damien and Tim all came over on Sunday afternoon, and we recorded like three episodes. When I went to transfer those files to my computer, the memory card became corrupted and I lost everything. So an update on that. Uh, I contacted the memory card recovery service. I'm sending it into them. They're going to get back to me within like five to seven business days. And and we will see if, if any of it is recoverable. But I definitely wanted to thank everybody who, when I put up the post, you know, was... Uh, giving support and trying to help out. I really appreciate that. But of course, with Jess, Damien, and Tim, all of you guys, and I say all of you guys, even though Tim is the only one on the phone right now, but I know Jess and Damien are listening to this. uh, All three of them were incredibly supportive when this really crappy thing uh, happened. And Tim gave me a lot of advice and prep talk and basically being like, it, it happens and I understand that. All the time. You know, it happens. How many podcasts I listen to? They're like, yeah, we recorded an episode earlier and it just it didn't work or it didn't record. So it happens like every single podcast I listen to, at least all my favorite podcasts have had some form of that happen to them. Um, 
so yeah, it happens. A lot of beside behind the scenes stuff, but it just it's life. Yeah, it was it was fun talking about stuff for three hours. It was, was yeah, fun. it was <laughs> it was awesome on Sunday. I mean, we spent like four hours together in the studio here all together, and we had a blast. So I mean, worst case scenario, none of that ends up airing, but at least all four of us got to hang out and have that time together. So that was really cool. Uh, and we will see. I will keep people updated as to what happens uh, with the memory card issue. So, but yeah, just wanted to thank you, Tim, and of course, Jess and Damien for being there for me as I had a massive meltdown for like 24 hours. Here's the thing <clears throat> I told you yesterday. It's going to happen again. Yeah. It's, it's, just what, it's just what happens. Things happen all the time. Technology is bound to betray us. I've seen Terminator enough to know that that's going to happen. So just be prepared for when the, when the machines rise up. Mm-hmm. Well, if Boston Dynamics has anything to do with it, luckily my memory Clearly. card did not transform into something and murder me. How do we know it's not going to? Just eh. be careful. Keep one eye open. Fair enough. Okay, so the first topic. Emerald City Comic Con 2018. Uh, Tim and I were there over the weekend and had a blast. It was it was crazy. There's some incredible cosplay. Uh, definitely, I hope you were following people's critic and Jess and Damon on social media because they were way better than I was at posting pictures of cosplay and other things. So what would you say was your favorite cosplay that you saw? Uh, probably that little kid dressed as the alien. <laughs> the xenomorph. Kid running around. Yeah, he was great. He was good. Uh, a lot of little kids in Black Panther costumes. That was mm-hmm. always warm my heart. Um, of course, Jessica's wonderful little niece was dressed as Chewbacca. Yes. She was adorable. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's always fun every year. I'm always excited. Uh, you know, I told people, you know, hey, I want to cosplay one year, but I really don't have an idea what I would do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I really want to. I just don't know what I would dress up as. So I'm, I'm taking suggestions from anybody. Um, <laughs> so yeah, definitely. And just yeah, and please like the love. You can be Blade or because I'm black. Come on, relax. Like, <laughs> right. Outside the box. <laughs> just, any any good cosplay ideas? I'm with it. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's all the cosplay is always fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we saw uh, some great panels as well. Um, and some of the interviews that I was able to to do at the con that were salvageable, those will be dropping on Friday. So both on the podcast feed and on YouTube for an episode of About to Interview. So yeah, we attended panels both with Jess and Damien. We attended panels kind of independently. It was a blast. It was a crazy, exhausting weekend at Emerald City Comic Con, as it always is. Just being around that many thousands of people getting here and there it it was madness but yeah, it can be it can be a little crowded um for people who deal with anxiety and oh yeah crowd issues <laughs> it can be a, it can be a bit much uh, but you know but there are little pockets you can find in the in the convention center <clears throat> that can sort of give you some space so if you have those sort of anxiety issues and stuff there's usually some spaces you can find for sure and actually yeah across the street from the washington state convention center at the washington convention center they do have some quiet rooms uh, which is pretty cool. You know, it's like an isolated room where you can go in there, just chill <laughs> away from yeah. the madness. So, yeah, absolute madness. Yeah. Uh, Artist Alley, of course, was another uh, yeah. just amazing experience because you get to see 
so many people that you might see their stuff on Instagram or Twitter just in the geek sphere. And then you're right. walking by their booth and you're like, wait a minute. Well, you know, for, for me, you know, you've read their comics or seen their right. comics or seen their artwork or seen their cover art and don't realize that you are talking to them and that's them. The, the wonderful thing, you know, the way this con was set up this year is they had a lot, they had all the, most of the artists on the sixth floor and it's usually on the third floor on the main floor. Mm hmm. Um, to the left, usually like you know, a nice little pocket of people down there. But this year they were doing like a sci-fi channel live stream. Yeah, so that took up like a big chunk of that area. So a lot of the artists were sort of all up on the sixth floor. Um, so it was sort of you know you kind of went up there for art and could walk around and find some good art. So yeah, it's, it's always my favorite part of the con is sort of walking through Artist Alley and looking for stuff and spending way too much money. I was gonna say one thing that Tim is very good at doing is supporting artists every year. I mean, good at, I'm, I'm good at spending a lot of money on art that I'm not hanging up in my house. Just, I just have. Mm -hmm. But it's gifts, you know, great gifts for people. So I, I've been enjoying giving away, you know, some really cool pieces for gifts for people. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that was something that this year we saw a lot of people in Artist Alley doing Black Panther-inspired pieces. You know what? I'm surprised not a lot of Black Panther stuff. I saw a lot of Shuri's, yep. and I saw a lot of some, women of Wakanda. Not so much yeah, overt Black was, Panther, but a lot of women of there Wakanda. Was, there was some. I, I expected more, but, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, it was, it was a lot of really cool cool, uh, cool art and cool stuff. And Yeah, it's, it's always fun. It's, it's exhausting when you're in the con, but once it's over, <laughs> you're like, oh, that was fun. Well, and then what is crazy is, like, the next day when you're going through Instagram and seeing everybody's yeah. pictures, and you're like... Oh, that was really cool. That was really fun. And you're like, oh wait, I was just there. Like yeah, that if you're it, on Instagram, <laughs> I would definitely check out the ECC yes. C hashtag uh, to check it out and just scroll through and see some of the cosplay, some of the art, some of the people there. It's always fun. Yep, for sure. Uh cool. So that was our little recap of Emerald City Comic Con. Uh and we will Yeah, so definitely look forward to the episode on Friday of about to interview to hear Ming Chen and Johnny Christmas and Tanika Stotts and uh, Pornsec Pichotchet. So talk about their projects that we're really excited about. Uh, next topic are the Oscars, that little independent ceremony that happened this weekend. The 90th Academy Awards. The 90th ceremony. Academy Awards. It's a long Awards. time. <laughs> 90 years is a lot. It's a long time. Yeah. And in that 90 years, there were, there were some historic moments that happened this past evening or the, yeah, a couple days ago. What, what is the, the first fist sex movie to win? Was that it? The, uh, you mean grinding Nemo? Yeah. The first, <laughs> was that, was that the historic moment? Was it a sexy amphibian movie? You won best picture. Well, I mean, his dad got snubbed in creature from the black lagoon. This is true. So it was all just poetic justice. It all comes back. And no, around. no, no love for merman in uh, either merman to get any love with, no. That movie was out, yeah. No. Uh, so one of the historic things, of course, is Jordan Peele winning for best screenplay. So that is historic because he is the first African-American to ever win that award. And only like the second person of color, if I'm correct, in 90 years. Yeah, it was a real small list. And it was like, every time we think we are progressing and doing things, which we are as a society, then something like that happens and you're like... Wait, hold on. In the 90 years the Academy has been around, how is this the first? 
I mean, it's think about it. Like, I mean, there's 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 those like uh, brutally Oscar ballot people conversations mm-hmm. where they're completely dismissing Get Out, and not watching it. So, and that's been a trend. I mean, I remember it happened with Selma. It happened again with Stroud of Compton. Mm-hmm. There are people who just look at look at these films as black films and they don't engage with them at all. And that's their whole thing is to watch these movies and vote. So it makes sense to me why something like that wouldn't get voted. Yeah, I, it makes sense, but it is also it incredibly could, depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's not depressing. I mean, they they enjoy. I say they. I'm talking about old Oscar voters. They enjoy stories about black pain, uh, any sort of slavery story, made story, um, oppression story, something in the '60s that that speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really have a hard time adjusting to modern black stories about black creatives, about anything uplifting, uh, black culture. They just can't engage with it, and so they dismiss it immediately. They feel like it's race is putting race in their face or some some diversity box they're checking off instead of just putting aside whatever little petty ideas they have and engaging in the film. Mm-hmm. And that happened again with Get Out. That's why I knew it would only probably win best screenplay, but not anything else. Yeah, and you and I talked about that on last week's episode. <laughs> that as great as the movie was, there is such a large contingency of people in the Academy and who have influence who for whatever reason, we're just never really going to give it a shot. It's not. It's not about. It's not for whatever reason. Well, know what the reason is. <laughs> they don't want to engage in anything. That, like, think about it, man. As marginalized people, we are. We constantly have to engage with other races. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing we have to do if if we're going to somehow survive, right? But you could be you could be a white Oscar voter and never engage in any sort of black culture or any other culture that's not yours. Yeah. Never and never and be fine in life. And just skate and never, never truly engage. A lot of very surface conversations, and I would have voted for Obama third term mm-hmm. kind of talk, but never really fully engaging in what the culture is and what it means. And 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 that keeps that separation. And and often I think Get Out was it wasn't divisive, but it really made people think about race in a way. And I think if you don't want to deal with race issues, yeah, that's something you probably want to avoid. Yeah. Oh, because it definitely it gets thrown in your face very yeah. <laughs> very abruptly abruptly yeah but at the same time in a way that was relatable i think to a lot of people yeah i mean there are a lot of people who engage in it but i'm I'm, talk, I'm 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 speaking specifically about these oscar voters of course those people yeah so that was historic um was also historic uh when coco you know was winning for best animated feature that was a lock i mean oh no it was, yeah, it was, boss it was a lock wasn't gonna win and, you uh, know, i really enjoyed boss baby it wasn't gonna win but what was great is from that um and i think it was uh let me pull it up yeah remember me when it yeah. won for best song that or best original song that was amazing and mainly because robert lopez uh who was one of the writers of that he is the youngest EGOT winner, and he won it four years ago when he did Frozen. That's so right. since then, he has now picked up two more Emmys, two more Oscars. Like the guy is just crushing it. And that was awesome to see because he was the youngest to win an EGOT at like 29, and he has not slowed down. So to see somebody from a marginalized group. With the film like Coco, which, granted, it was animated, so it already had more accessibility to a lot of people. They're like, "Sure, I'll watch this." 
but it was so incredibly important for the Latin community. So to get it, to show that it had the love was really nice to see. Yeah, it was definitely the best animated film of the year. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Oh, hands down. The, the original song, though, that was going to be one where people were not quite sure. Uh, now, as for the songs, what did you think of the performances of the original songs? Oh, I'm a television not mute. I didn't listen to any of those songs. <laughs> wow. Didn't watch it. Just didn't didn't really even care to listen to them. Really? I heard them. I just, no, no. Didn't watch any of those performances. Rude. Mute. So, as somebody who watched it, the only one that I thought was, I think was was really well done as far as a production, was This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Oh, oh surprise, surprise. <laughs> I say that Greatest because, Showman. like, it actually, Tell us more like... more about how much you love this movie that <laughs> lied about P.T. Barnum. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so, The Greatest Showman. But it basically, like, when they were doing this performance... They engage like they. You saw them running in the aisles. Like it felt like a musical performance. Uh, yeah, it's a musical movie. Why wouldn't it feel like right? That? But some of the other ones, it just it felt a little kind of blah. Uh, the because mis- th- those are songs in movies, whereas this is me is a musical performance in a movie. Yeah. So. The other ones, like... That's, some... that's probably why they feel differently. <laughs> well, of course, of course. It's uh, literally what the movie was, was the, a musical. Yeah. So, of course, it feels like that. So, but I, so I was glad that, that that felt like it, but at the same time, I knew that Remember Me was... Well, yeah, was going was gonna to take that. So was anything that surprised you throughout the night? Wait a minute, you go to an Oscar party every year. Uh, I was going... Yes, I normally go to an Oscar party every year. This year... I did not because I was in complete meltdown mode at that point. That was, you guys had just left. Like you got to start. Are you running? Are you running still? No. Um, I'm running to the fridge. That'll help you with the meltdowns. Start running again. Although what, what I did after you guys left and when I tried to transfer the files and they were corrupted and I freaked out and had a meltdown, I did go. You had a bunch of ice cream? Oh, I wish. No, I went for a hike. Uh, and I was gone for like three hours. Yeah. So that was good. But as far as running, man, the only running I'm yeah. doing these days is to the fridge. Start um, running again. It'll help. <laughs> I'm serious. It'll help. The, the, that, those, it'll help. Yeah. So no, I did not go to the annual Oscar party that I have been going to for eight years. So what, so what, are, what are the, what's the Oscar party like? Are you guys have games? Do you gamble? Yeah. Do yeah. You so bet? we, you bring, you bring $12 in, okay. in cash. Like a strip club. I like it. Well, pretty much, you know. Um, and then we, you, before everything starts, you write down, you fill out your ballot. And what is awesome so is that all ballots are filled out at the party. Yes, at the party. Okay. Uh, and Dr. Andy, you know, longtime collaborator uh, on this okay. show, which he has not been on for months, but we were working on that. Things have been busy. He's doing doctor stuff. It makes sense. Right. So he orchestrates everything. And it is really cool because what happens is so take director. If everybody who is playing puts the shape of water, then you only get maybe two points. If for whatever reason, everybody else chose Dunkirk and you chose Shape of Water, you get nine points or ten points. So it is weighted based on how many other people got so the same answer. So you get more answer. points if you, if you take a flyer on something that wins. Exactly. So it is got it. really cool. And then at the end, uh, it is just winner take all. So you add up all the points. Uh, there's a traditional... Uh, Money shower where someone sits there and they drop all of the money on them again, is like this a, strip a, very much a strip club. Is this, <laughs> is this party at a strip club? Are there wings? Uh, I mean, what's, odd- happening, what's happening at your Oscar strip club? 
You know what's funny? An Oscar strip club, club party would be kind of lit. You could play music from all the movies nominated. Ooh. The women could perform. Yeah. You could, you could bet on it. Yeah, I like this idea. I like this Oscar strip club. We got to get Snoop in on this. <laughs> oh, he Maybe would be just Snoop. He would be so an down. Oscar, an Oscar strip club party just <laughs> in LA, just right next to the actual Academy Awards. Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, uh, where we have the Oscar party is less than a mile away from a strip club now that I think they, about it. Listen, there you go. Make it happen. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so make that happen. Uh, but yeah, as far as like, what, what's the so what's the most someone's ever walked away from at that at that Oscar party? I mean, we had one year we had about ten people there, so I mean, hundred and twenty bucks. It's nice. Yeah, and you so. went right to the strip club afterwards. Good plan. <laughs> uh, possibly, possibly. Uh, as far as the surprises for the awards, yeah. the biggest one to me was the animated short for. Kobe, like Kobe winning. Now that. here we are. Hey, not Kobe Bryant. Let's no, not not even that. Kobe like segment. I watched all the animated shorts, and that one, it basically was just when I was a kid, I loved basketball, and now I'm really great at basketball. So thanks, basketball. But was it was it a really good animated short? Was the animation good? The animation was really interesting. It had a lot of pen strokes or pencil strokes. Oh, I I like I liked the animation style, but the actual story and the message. It was a bit just kind of selfish. Um, uh, imagine that. Kobe right. does a whole anime story about himself. <laughs> Weird. Surprise. So, but that definitely was was a big surprise that was to a me. Big surprise. That My was a surprise. Was probably Del Toro winning Best Director. I didn't think. I thought they would give to Greta Gerwig. I didn't think he was going to win. Oh, that would have also been amazing. I think what was incredible this year is especially when you look at you know director when you have yeah. Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig. Guillermo del Toro, all of those, like Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson, they already have so many accolades and so many things. But when you look at the other three, the amount of support that they gave each other was incredible. Every year. It's every year. But this year it felt so much more genuine. I think because Greta Gerwig. It's genuine every year. I mean, these guys work hard. I mean, if you think about these directors are seeing each other ever since, you know, the. Before the war circus starts, they're seeing each other at all these little festivals. So right. they get to know each other at all these little festivals. So people get, and you know, their movies, get, they get talked about, usually shown around the same time, you know. So you get to know each other. So it's not, you know, it's all, to me, I've always seen that sort of camaraderie between them. Because uh, they, they understand the craft, understand what each of them is going through. Uh, I listened to A24's podcast, and it was oh, Greta yeah. Gerwig and Barry Jenkins. Mm-hmm. And they said that, like... They both had sort of seen each other on these circuits, and that's how they sort of became cool. Yeah. But yeah, there's always respect for people. I mean, yeah, re- respect is one thing. I guess it was just what I liked seeing is the I liked seeing the younger generation of filmmakers, like our generation of filmmakers, who are still humbled by the experience, who are still enamored by the experience, as opposed to a lot of the other people that you see in the Academy all the time where... I mean, it just, it seems more, I hate to say regular, but they have been around so long that they kind of get it. Seeing Greta Gerwig, who the whole night, every time they showed her, she was just beaming because she was just so happy for the recognition to be there. Like, so that that was just, that was incredible. Um, So I really liked that. Uh, Gary Oldman winning for Best Actor. That was something that I was also... A little bit surprised by, but I'm also what? glad. No, I'm glad that Daniel Day Lewis did not win. How are you surprised he won? He was easily the lock to win. 
because Daniel All those were locks to me. Daniel Day Lewis was da- is Daniel Day Lewis. Like I was, was not putting it past people because again he is somebody lot. who, similar to Get Out, people who might not even see Phantom Thread were like, oh it's Daniel Day Lewis I'm going to vote for nah, him. Omen was a lock. Omen was a lock when after the movie came out that like all the acting stuff to me were all locks. I didn't think there was anything that was going to go otherwise. I think I knew Rocco was going to win. I knew McDonough was going to win. Mm-hmm. I knew, um, uh, what's his face? Allison Janney was going to win. Yeah. I knew, I knew, um, what's the face was going to win for best actor. So it's just, yeah, those are all locked. There was no, wasn't like, I wonder who's going to win for me. <laughs> so for you, the, the big surprise would be director for sure. Yeah. Toro. Just, okay. Didn't, I didn't think that he was going to get that. And I knew, I knew the best picture was going to come down to The Shape of Water and Three Billboards. Pretty much. Yeah. They were the safest choices out of the group. Yeah. Uh, the, did you watch any of the the shorts? Like the animated? Nope. Or, okay. So I watched mm-hmm. the live action. I watched all of the whole shorts program. Yeah. The live action shorts. Again, The Silent Child was, was really good, but it was not my favorite. And it was also really safe. Uh, but at the same time, I'm glad that when they went up there to win, or when they went up to there to accept it, she signed. She talked about how like she promised the actress, like that was really sweet, and that was nice to see because I was like, okay, you actually care about this. So that was nice. Uh, the documentary short subject, "Heaven Is a Traffic Jam on the 405," is incredible. I highly encourage people to to find that and watch it. It is just this fascinating portrayal of this woman dealing with so much grief and mental strife, who is a phenomenal artist. Like that one just totally blew me away. Um, Yeah. I think that was, that was kind of all. I think Jimmy Kimmel did a good job this year. It's a tough, it's a tough gig hosting the show, man. Like you do, you give out some, some uh, supporting roles early, and mm-hmm. then it's a whole lot of waiting until the big stuff. No one really cares about short films. Who won? Yeah, I just—they <laughs> don't. Like I just animated the the masters don't. Yeah, um, people one came thing... in who won last year. Like people don't care. They want they want to get to the so it's a bunch of hurry up and wait for the big the big awards of the night. So that's yeah. why it's, just, it's such a tough gig because you're you're trying to be funny, you're trying to be entertaining, and you know everyone's not there to see you, and they're waiting for something at the end. And unlike, you know, the Critics' Choice or something like that, there is no food. There are no drinks. You are sitting there for four hours. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing that I I hated about this ceremony, and I hated that they did it last year, and if they, I hope they don't do it next year. The whole, we're going to go next door and talk to the regular people and bring these celebrities. I hated you gotta, that. You got to feel those four hours, man. What's up? Ugh. Like it just because last year was even worse when like they brought them mean, in the auditorium. The people who were in the auditorium, and so I appreciate that. It means the world to them. It if just, you're in the auditorium and you get to be on television, and you're, you're say you're a big Oscar fan, you get to be on television during the Academy Awards, and maybe talk to one of your favorite celebrities. Yeah, it just yeah. it feels like just this weird pandering of like, how about we go down and mingle with the poor's? Is no, kind of what it feels like. I don't know if it's that. I think they're really just trying to engage their family. Like those are still people who support film and love film. They're obviously in an auditorium watching. The, like normal people aren't in auditoriums watching the Academy Awards. So someone who's got the the balls to be there clearly wants to be there. And so yeah, I get it. 
Yeah. I suppose I just, I, I just, it made me feel weird last year when they did it. And it definitely made me feel weird this year. But they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep engaging with you, which is fine. Like, again, like it's, this is very much a community. Like there's something about a community and you know, from, from being a critic, like there's Mm -hmm. something about a community of people who love film, uh, that you appreciate being around. And so it's good to see those people who love film as much as we do, you know, getting a chance. If that was me in auditorium, I'd love to be in there, you know? Yeah. Say how to say how to Google on the microphone. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you would. I would. Uh, Politely. Politely. <laughs> of course. So moving on from the Oscars to a project which happens to have a Google in it. Yes, it does. Look at me trying to segue you into that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be a good segue if uh, if you did not bring her up all the time anyway, regardless She's of... She's an amazing actress, does not give enough credit. I heard Chris Lambert talking about her Ooh. Um, on his last podcast. Yeah, was it, wait, right. Wait, talking she, good about her or talk? Come on, man. Oh, all well, right, fair enough. Chris is Chris is a well-respected <laughs> podcast, but he would never do anything like that. I know, just talking about sort of her her work and um, the type of role she gets, and you know, she is definitely a leading woman, and I think deserves more screen time. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is definitely solid. So the movie that we are talking about is A Wrinkle in Time, which is in theaters this weekend. You know, again, a little independent feature directed by Ava DuVernay starring some up-and-coming actresses like Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, Chris Pine, and uh, Gugu and, you know, Zach Galifianakis. Just, you know, some young upstarts. Yeah. Uh, Now, the story for Wrinkle in Time, for those people who do not remember reading the book and like... I did not read the book. Oh, really? You guys did not have to read it? No, I did not read the book. No, I I was busy. I was like... Need deep in comic books, man. I wasn't reading the Wrinkle in Time. I was, I See, was we, out on that. We had to read it in like fifth grade for whatever project. I was in performing art school in the fifth grade, so we were doing a whole. I was doing like reports on Africa and like dancing. I wasn't doing any any of that Wrinkle in Time nonsense. <laughs> I just wasn't. We were doing. We did a whole bunch of weird stuff. We didn't do any of that. So maybe I missed it. Yeah. So I mean. I mean, you, def- you definitely missed it. It is a book that, so it came out in 1962, written by Madeline LaIngle, who it is part of her uh, book series. It is part of a, a quintet, the Time Quintet. So, A Wrinkle Time is the first book. Yes. And the yeah. thing about these books is most people kind of read them in like, yeah, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. If you were to pick up this book or download it for your Kindle, you could get through this in like uh, two to three hours. Like it's it a is, short book. well, it's, I mean, it is a short book, but it is also very digestible. So, and that, that really plays in with this movie. One of the things that we were talking about after the movie, when we saw it the other day, this plays very young. Uh, oh yeah. It's a definite kids movie. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. And a lot of times in kids movies, they still kind of put in jokes or situations for the adults that they know are going to be there, the parents or whatever. This did not have much of that. Like this was really, really geared towards the young audience. Um, The younger actresses, I definitely want to give them a shout out. So Storm Reed plays Meg. She's the lead. She's the lead Meg. Yes. Levi Miller plays Calvin. And Derek Derek McCabe (laughs) plays her younger brother, Charles Wallace. The best part of the whole film. Charles Wallace. He crushed it. <laughs> he was amazing. That kid was great. And that was I was like, like, man, Charles Wallace is my hero, man. He was throwing shade at everybody. Mm-hmm. He was acting up. I love that kid. He was really good. And in all of the promo, Storm Reed was getting a lot of the press, 
a lot of the attention because she is the lead. But once we actually saw it, Charles Wallace steals the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he steals the show. But Jimmy Storm, she's definitely the lead. If if they plan on doing, you know, another, you know, the other three books, you know, I get why she's out there. And plus, you know, she's good. I mean, saying that the kid who played Charles Wallace is good isn't saying the other person, you know, people weren't good. He just was clearly the standout. And he had the fun stuff to do. He did. Like, her whole thing was being uncomfortable and being uncertain and not knowing what was going on. And he got a chance to sort of cut up and dance around and, you know. Mm -hmm. um, It reminds me of Black Panther where, where... Killmonger got to be all serious and angry, and Claw was just having the time of his life. Yeah, <laughs> pretty so much. That's Charles Wallace, man. He's having the time of his life. Yeah, and, and so I mean the the story is that uh, Storm or or Meg, I guess I should say. Meg. So Meg and her brother Charles Wallace uh, have lost their father uh, four years ago. Nobody knows what happens. He just yeah. disappears. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Uh, <laughs> rude <laughs> i mean so, i'm saying he was gone that's what everyone thought like he bounced and yeah he met somebody else and he left his family behind and you know yep uh and he left his wife Gugu behind mm-hmm. which uh, no way no, no way he left her <laughs> i was gonna no, say no there's no way that was one of the parts fact, that tim, the, tim just gets angry thing in the film <laughs> so, noted, this film deals with space and other dimensions the most unrealistic thing is him leaving Gugu behind <laughs> He would do that. Come on, that's stupid. But one thing I did like that it that this movie touched on is that Chris Pine is not the perfect dad, you know, or anything. Like he is flawed. He was selfish. He, the reason that he ends up leaving, that it goes into the movie, it boils down to him being selfish and him being like he was a dad who was really into his work. Yeah, and took that work way too seriously, and then could not. I mean, yeah, situations can't happen that take him away because of his work. So, then, uh, you mean that he's trapped in some space dimension? That's in the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah, true. He's in the space dimension. He got trying to figure out how to like shake hands with the universe and ended up being sucked to some weird dimension. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the surprises. Happens. I mean, it's like a Thursday around here. Oh it's yeah, big deal for sure. Um, I did like the cameo appearances by some other actors in this movie michael pena is in this as the character red uh who is well i don't want to go into who he is uh but anyone who reads the book all of the characters pretty much follow the book except for in the book she had two uh twin she had twin brothers who were older than her yeah they cut that out completely Uh, i don't think they really (laughs) need that i don't i don't read books but here's the thing. So, so the plot though. So she, she's she's having behavioral. Megan's having behavioral issues at school because mm-hmm. of her father being gone. She feels like she was left. She's clumsy, awkward, middle school age, getting picked on by these girls at school. She's getting in trouble, uh, and then she finds out she gets visited by the witches. Yeah. Well, Charles Wallace the brings brings them misses the misses. Charles the Wallace misses brings show. them over yeah. and like he has been hanging out with them and knows them yeah yeah what kind of parental stuff is going on there he's just hanging out with grown women that no one knows so anyway so he brings the missus around to tell her you're you know we need your help to help set the universe and they they what is called ta- tessering the tesser oh well, yeah the tesseract Tesser. but tessering is the ability to shift so the tesseract is like the same thing from avengers but whatever so right the tesseract and so they they they're 
Tesser to a planet to try to find their dad. And they go on this adventure through mm-hmm. universe to try to find him and fight off the darkness, which is planning on taking over the universe. And they need people, strong young people with light in them to fight. Yes. That's the story. They, they need to become so, light warriors to, yes, to defeat light the darkness. Warriors. Yeah, to defeat, that sounds racist. But yeah, light warriors to defeat the darkness, like a white nationalist movie. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> well, the thing is, the like, so, light warriors are defeating the darkness. <laughs> well, in the book, so in the in the movie, they refer to the darkness as the it. The it. In the Pity books, wise. they're referred to as the black thing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but the most racist child. No. Ever. Did they, so Madeline Ingle was a very very devout Christian. And so Still her racist. her themes are allegorical, similar to Lion the Witch in the uh, Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that one of the witches, or some of the one of the misses, <laughs> in in the book, when they're giving gifts, similar, yeah. you know, like in a bunch of other stories, the hero's journey. Uh, one of them, one of the misses, gives them a Bible quote in the book. Oh, so I mean, it was awesome. very heavy-handed in the books. The movie. Right. Yeah, no. Not so much. Although Oprah is black Jesus. Um yeah. Throughout the entire thing. <laughs> yeah. So as far as the, the misses, so Oprah, Reese, and Mindy Kaling, how did you feel about them? Did you feel like they actually... They felt really good. I mean, they're good. They feel like they're like quirky people in some sci-fi fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen them all. We saw those three weird witches. And if you watch the original Wrath of the Titans... Um, there's always these weird characters who show up. Right. It's like these magical people to help guide our, you know, heroes through their journey. That's mm-hmm. a common like sci-fi trope. And these women were no different. They're fine. I mean, yeah. they, I mean they don't, they're not asked to do much. They're just to be goofy and awkward and not, and, you know, try not to act like the humans they're engaging with. So, and that, that was one of the things I was a little bit surprised with in that Oprah, I mean, obviously has been a huge champion of of this film for yeah. a long time, yeah, she is not in it very much, and I feel like her total yeah, time not, it's, it's on on story. set, yeah, was not was not very much. But yeah. I, I say that to say that she still felt integrated, like it still made sense, and I think that really speaks to the strength of the kids who have to drive the rest of the movie, yeah, you know, for it to really make sense. Yeah, the kids, the kids are doing all the heavy lifting. That's why that's what made it feel very Disney-ish. Mm-hmm. It was like the kids are doing all the heavy lifting and the adults are sort of like these auxiliary people who you know who come in and step in and help off the bench when they need to, but it's really the children and it's their story and their journey and their, you know, their emotions to sort of get blood out into the screen. Yeah, and I mean, for it being a very young style kids movie, yeah. the sound design, I mean, maybe it was because we saw it at, you know, the IMAX theater, Seattle Center, which has like the best yep. theater or best screen, best sound. The sound was like almost deafening a couple times. Like it was super intense yeah. in a, in a few moments. And then it would, then it would shift to bright colors and soft music. And it was like, uh, it was just, yeah. it was a little bit choppy when it came to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, onto the, so, I mean, we pretty much talked to, you talked about Gugu. Uh, Andre Holland. Yeah, Andre uh, Holland, actually. That was cool to see up. him as the principal. Um, I want him to be in a lot more things. He is great. Yeah, he was good. He, he, he's on that new show coming on uh, the new 
Stephen King show coming oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's in that. Um, yeah, he's good. I like I like him. He's good. Yeah. Um, you know, the movie was good. I felt they didn't do a good job explaining all the tessering and stuff. No. <laughs> like if they if they had opened with like a here's a wrinkle time for dummies. Here's what's happening. Here's the it. Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening. In the universe. And you know, you maybe let Oprah do like a voiceover of like, oh, for millions and millions of centuries. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. give one of those things to explain stuff because they don't if there's a fault in the films, they do not do a good job explaining any of it. Experience. So yeah, when I mean, it cause happens. They, yeah, they, like, they, cause they, like when Meg is tessering, she's having these weird tessers and no one knows why. Mm-hmm. And at the end she like tessers and it's like heaven and like, oh, okay. But they don't do a good job explaining it. It's kinda yeah, I mean, and they they introduce, and again, for a kids movie, they introduce some pretty heavy concepts, particle yeah. physics, and all yeah. these things. But yeah, they just kind of gloss over it. Yeah, and I feel like yada, they yada, could yada. have, oh. yeah, they could have spent even sixty seconds of Gugu, who is a scientist yeah. in the movie, being like, "This was what the Tesseract, what we thought it was." No, it's funny. During one of the trailers, I thought I saw a clip of that. Oh, really? Yeah. Of her like explaining something, and like in their little room. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it was in there. Uh, huh? One, maybe it was in there. One of the things that yeah. I really, really appreciated in this film was that Calvin, uh, the young boy who, for whatever reason, Tim does not like. Yeah, I'm gonna get to that. Um, one of the things I really liked about his character is more than once he tells Meg, who has the wild natural curly hair. He looks her dead in the eyes and says, "I like your hair." And it you was like that because that was creepy to me. He was a creep. I didn't no, like that kid. I, li- I thought was that creepy. was totally innocent. And I he like that he kept looking at her really creepily the entire film, and it made me uncomfortable. Really? I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I mean, you, he was okay. like longingly staring at like they're in middle okay, school. Okay, come on now. You, 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 like in that, middle man? school, I guarantee you were looking at girls in your no, class like I that. I wasn't. I was watching X Men. Yeah, mm, disagree. He was, <laughs> I didn't like the, it was these weird, long, romantic pauses between these two people who were like kids, and I didn't like, I didn't like the way the camera captured their interactions. It felt like super romantic and like, interesting. He was like leering at her. I did, yeah, it made me super uncomfortable. Every time. Okay. Um, I was like, stop with the, with the, I like, I like your hair. See, I like Ooh, it I'm because. I'm stare at it, you because you're so beautiful. <laughs> like, come on, this is the bachelor. I le- I, the reason that I liked it is because so many, especially young black and brown girls, are taught from a very young age that something is wrong with their hair if they wear it natural, if it is wild, if it is whatever. So to have yeah, that's true. To have somebody twice it's creepy. No, you know, to have somebody twice say, "I like your hair," I liked it. It was cute. He didn't just be like, "I like your hair." He was like staring at her and like. Okay, well, uh, even though you were like obsessed with X-Men cartoons, and so was I, and it's, comic books, and crazy. when I think of myself in middle school, listen, I definitely it, it, looked at a girl like that, being like, hey, uh, you're yeah, really pretty. That's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see it happen on screen. I don't want to see a bunch of kids doing that. I don't want to watch that. It's disgusting. Um, here's the thing. There are going to be a lot of people who walk out of there and say, that was creepy. He, he, was, they gave, he had a few really creepy moments where he was like... Kind of like staring at her a little too long. It, it was uncomfortable. Interesting. Okay. Th- th- yeah. There's, sure there's Tim's hot take. Of people being like, that was a little too creepy. I need you to not be as creepy. So with the creep, just, with just, the just creepy, dial it, just dial it down a <laughs> With the creepiness aside, I appreciate the affirmation that she was 
beautiful, that her hair was just fine the way it was, wild yeah, as I mean, it was. The whole movie is affirmation for her. Like, yeah. That's her whole journey is like being affirmed with who she is. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that journey. I've never been a young black girl in school. I've never dealt with the cattiness that young women have. Right. Uh, but it definitely spoke to a lot of people who, you know, the women that I was with at some screening, they spoke to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They were all like, yeah, that was me growing up. And, you know, my friend's daughter was there. She loved it. So, you know, it spoke to them. That's not my journey. but mm-hmm. uh, And, and I think that is... speaks to a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that is important also. And that was something that I talked about with the studio rep after the movie. There are certain movies that are not going to be for us. And when I say us, I mean film critics. For us, I mean men. For us, I mean... We're just not going to connect to them the same as other people. And that is okay because we still have to look at the movie as a movie and and evaluate all of that. The thing that I told the studio rep after my quote to her was never has the term black girl magic, black girl magic been more appropriate than right now. Like, I don't know if that's true. Sorry. This whole movie was just like you said, affirmations. It was, it was she is special. She is like, important. I don't think you need Black Omatic to be recognized as a special person. Like, I don't know if that's true. Need it? No. But was it good to see? Yes. It's good to see the representation. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I, which I hope we get to see more of. But I don't, I don't know if it was all that. It was... It's interesting. I think her journey isn't necessarily specific to her being black as well. It's definitely a specific black journey in the movie. But mm-hmm. I also think there are a lot of young women who go through that. Oh, through for sure. Because it's such an awkward age. A lot of young men too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's folks to that as well. But yeah, it's it's for kids. It's their yes. journey. It's all about being a weird, eight, you know, eighth grader or seventh <laughs> grader. Yes. And also the abandonment. You know, people dealing with you mm-hmm. know, their kids. I, I never struggle with my dad not being around my dad was always there but the idea that your dad's not there and, and how people view you and having some of this unstable thing and your mom dealing with the fact that he's not there and this, sort of this uncertainty if he's going to return or not yeah you know, and how that weighs on people and you know we deal with kids oftentimes with behavioral issues and they're dealing with it with their dad not being around and what that does to them yeah so it's good so it's a lot for everybody in that movie for sure uh to the rating system for this podcast, there are only three choices. There are no stars. There are no letters. Just three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you enjoyed, that you walked out of, that you wanted to recommend to somebody for a multitude of reasons. Uh, whether they could connect to it, whether they had a kid that would connect to it, whether they would personally relate to it. A bad film is something that you did not really connect with, that you would not immediately recommend. And an ugly is avoid at all costs. Uh, Tim Hall, the People's Critic, what do you give A Wrinkle in Time? It is a good, um, it, it you know, for a two-hour movie, it kind of breezed by really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I wish they'd explain more about what was happening, even if right. it's hard to explain. Like, give us something. Uh, I think it would have helped a lot more, especially at the end of the movie. When there's these, these big revelations and these big sort of moments that Meg has, and without any real explanation, it just it falls a little flatter than it should. Yeah, no, I mean that is that is a valid critique because yeah, it does not it should, explain it should be a, lot. a moment, and it's not a moment. It's just kind of like oh, this thing is happening. Yeah, oh, she just kind of weird. she just kind of makes it happen. Yeah, she just without makes it like happen. training or without you really yeah. need to do this. It, and this. It was you like, don't get the sense that your hero is happening. Like this is the big part of their journey. Where something yeah. is this? You hear the music swelling. You're like, okay, something's supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what is. 
Um, and the whole like, yeah, finding the frequency, but how do you do yeah, that? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? Yeah, they don't explain any of it. So, man, it could have really had like a two minute like intro. Like, mm-hmm. it reminded me of like Black Panther Open, like, this is Wakanda. Here are the five right. tribes. Exactly. It's like Wakanda for dummies. Uh, the, so, if you knew nothing about Black Panther, you were like, all right, cool, bet. I know yeah. how this works. Done. Got it. Um, Here we go. Because yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so much science talk. It's like, I need someone to explain how the science works. Even mm-hmm. if it's, even if it's bullcrap. Right. Even if it's dumb. I remember there's that, there's that scene in um, Deja Vu where they explain how it works. I don't know if that science is real. Right. But in the movie, this is, in this universe, this science works, so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also think Charles Wallace was the best part of the film. I yep. need more of him. That kid was fantastic. Totally he agree. He was so good. Yeah. So he was strutting around, clowning, talking crap. <laughs> like, I love that kid. Yeah. So um, I wanted him, man. I wanted more of him. Yeah. Uh, my official rating... Um, the only, I mean, yeah, it, even though it was a relatively quick pace, there were parts that, yeah, just kind of drug on because I think, it, like Tim said, they just did not really get explained yeah. enough. Um, the sound design was also kind of choppy in, in parts, but overall, for the messages that it, that it puts out, the costuming was incredible. The makeup was great. Uh, I give it a good, and I think that this yeah. is definitely going to play well for families with younger kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this this is going to have a very strong showing in very certain demographics that I think unlike other Disney movies, you are not going to get a lot of other people seeing this as opposed to like Beauty and the Beast where we grew up with that. So of course, adults are going to see it also. A Wrinkle in Time, I, th- I, I just don't think it is going to have that much traction. It but, might. I mean, because a lot of people have read the book. Yeah, and that might be a thing that draws them to it. I mean, if it, if it was like a new a new project or some new property, maybe not. But you know, Disney has a has a track a track record, and the people seem to have read this book when I was busy listening, watching cartoons. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. people were reading this book, so it'll draw those book readers. You know, even even with its faults and in, in not explaining stuff, it still remained to be a pretty entertaining two hours. Yeah, with some really good young talent on screen, and even with the creepy dude, it was still fine. Yep. Uh, cool. So there we go. Uh, so what we talked about on this episode, we talked a little bit about Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, we talked about the Oscars and some surprises, some things we'd like to see, some history making instances, and then we both gave A Wrinkle in Time a good, even though it definitely had some some faults and did not really explain things that very easily could have been explained in movie terms. We're not looking yeah, just, for Neil deGrasse Tyson to world. pop up on screen and tell yeah. us how it would actually work. Yeah. Somebody yeah. in the movie being like, oh. This is, I think, what he tried to do, this and this. Yeah, like something like, let's take the Tesseract and Avengers. This is the Tesseract. It opens a space portal. <laughs> right. Okay, I don't know if that, how that works, but you're telling me this little blue box does this thing. Uh, they need a little bit more of that. Yeah. Uh, unless they're just relying on people who read the book to just, like, connect the dots. But for me, a layperson, I was like, I guess this is how things are working. There's I mean, but even in the books, like, I mean, I... I read the books. I mean, granted, it was a long time ago, but the yeah. books, like I said, you can breeze through them as an adult reading it. So they're not very dense, but I still feel like, yeah, they, they could have done a little bit more. But uh, regardless, uh, it was definitely a solid movie. And it needed more goo-goo. I'm on. That's another Of course movie. it did. Just just like a couple scenes of her, like, sad, and then, like, trying to <laughs> date other guys on Tinder. Wow. Watch that. Yeah, she's trying to Tinder because her, her scientist husband's gone. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing Google on Tinder? What a what a day! 
you imagine that? Imagine like swiping through Tinder and Google's face pops up. Uh, she would only be on there for an hour before her inbox is flooded with thousands of uh, pictures. <laughs> I, I will again, say. Man, for those watching this movie, the the, the biggest unrealistic, unrealistic thing is the fact that he left her because that would have never happened. I I kind of have to agree. Space travel, I get it. Tethering giant people who talk, weird creatures flying through the air, whatever. But him leaving her, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Fair. Fair point. All right, cool. Uh, So, Tim, where can people find you on the social media landscape? They can find me on thepeoplescriticblog.com. They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, when I decide to use it. Because it's crap. (laughs) Right. Um, People's Critic. Yeah. A lot. Man, there's a lot. March is kind of a packed month, and yes. since since um since Avengers got moved up, they've like smushed everything to like the top of April. So it's lots of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, make sure to keep up with Tim's blog. Uh, yeah, he reviews a bunch of stuff. We hit yeah Too much our stuff. our film critic schedule is is getting real packed for the spring already. Real packed. Um, as for this podcast, you can follow it on social media at About Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, youtube.com slash About Review for that About to Interview uh, video that will be up on Friday. Uh, make sure to go to aboutreview.com for full links to the show notes and to the guests. If you want to support the show, you can go to aboutreview.threadless.com. You can also click on the link to go to the Amazon wish list uh, if you want to support the show by buying. Some things that help out the studio. A memory card here and there, especially these days when I'm all paranoid. Having an extra one of those would be handy. Uh, and yeah, you can just click on the link to Amazon and support the show what that way. What else is on that wish list? Uh, I have a binder on there. You know the kind of that I always use. Um, I have a binder, some memory cards. I have some bigger items on there only because I was like, if this is a, a wish list, no. <laughs> if this is a, if this, this is the wish a new flat screen television a new no laptop, like a new mic like a, a new microphone I that i can just you know just have an extra one that i can bring to do interviews the most expensive thing on there that i doubt anybody will a ever copy of, a copy of the snowman on blu-ray no everything is podcast related and the snowman i would just burn in effigy uh no it's like a new uh mixer and everything but again if you just want to go on there and buy a memory card or a binder to help out the podcast, you can absolutely do that. Um, and again, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who listens, everybody who was supportive in my moments of meltdown this weekend. So Tim, Jess, and Damien, they are some of my best friends. They're my family. They were there for me. Uh, it sucked. It, it hey, really man, sucked. No, nobody, nobody died, man. It was, it was a technical <laughs> failure. It's not anyone's fault. It happens all the time, and it, it's gonna happen again. Yeah, and like, I mean, so, and like you said, Tim, that the more anybody, the more you do anything, whatever that is, whether it is sports or whether that is something you do all the time, yeah. accidents are going to happen. Yeah, it. Yeah, you know, like uh, that happens. like it's your your basket causality, right? Causality. Is that, is that the term we're looking for? Uh, no, not not really. I don't think so, but. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Whatever. it's just something where, yeah, so it happened, it sucked, uh, I'm working on some solutions, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you again to to everybody who, who was supportive in that. So that about wraps it up for this shorter episode of About to Review, because the other episode that we did uh, is 
Love that was an amazing episode. The best episode you'd ever heard. It was oh, there fantastic. we go. Thanks. It was great. Thanks best for that. Ever done, ever. It was <laughs> five star episode. Sorry, you guys don't get to hear it. It was amazing. Yep. Uh, but oh, definitely well. tune in on Friday to the podcast feed and YouTube for those interview segments. Uh, that about wraps it up for this episode. So on this episode, I have been joined by uh, Tim, the People's Credit, and I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.